hosted by Aquania Escrenay, the host of The Purpose of Money, and Danielle Desir, the host of The Thought Card. Millennial Wealth Builder series is where we share the stories of women of color building wealth. But this isn't your ordinary interview-based show. Throughout the series, you'll be hearing from women who are creatively securing the bag, stacking coins. You know what we mean. Let's see. I mean, there didn't seem like an abundance of money um, and there wasn't, but it was helpful because it allowed me to really value the dollar because my mom was a young mom and a single mom and she immigrated here from Jamaica. She had me in Jamaica, the island, not the borough, nothing wrong with the borough, but I'm just saying. And <laughs> and she had me at such a young age and she came here with absolutely nothing. Like, And luckily we did have family here. So she was able to stay with people and work minimum wage jobs and then send for me with my grandmother. I didn't grow up with like, you know, having all the things, but my mom, she she was such a great mom. Like I can only hope to be half as good as what she was in terms of encouraging and the investment, like not the necessarily the money, but like the time and love and encouragement that she gave me. So that all helped me, honestly, even though it wasn't directly always money, like helped me figure out like all the things, the intangible things that allow someone to make money and to go after things and pursue things. Like that's what my mom gave me, which I think has put me in the position to be where I am today and earning like money. Like I chose my major based on, I had no clue, right? You know, I hate that they make us choose so early because I'm like, I don't know. I just want to make money. So I chose business management with a specialization in finance because I was like, well, people who are in business seem like they make money. So I'll just do that. I always kind of went after what's going to like make me money. I had a job since 14, have been working ever since. And then I was always a saver. So that was also a big part of my story because I think as someone who didn't grow up with much, saving is like we had to save and work with what we had. And that's one thing my grandmother and mom taught me was, I don't care if you bring only a dollar home, like you're going to save at least five cents of it. And my mom took me to open up my first savings account at about six years old. And that had a real impact on me. And so even when I started working at 14, I was always just conditioned to save my check. Like I wasn't just going out and spending my money. And that really served me well when it came to my first internship and earning what I thought was real money, like as a college intern through inroads, because they paid you like well, but I saved most of it. And again, it helped me on my journey when I was then entering into the fire movement, the financial independence, retire early movement. So all that to say, uh, I, I feel like everything that I I've done so far, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it's related to money, has helped shape my money story and allows me to make money today. You just heard from Jamila Soufrant. Jamila Soufrant is passionate about helping others jumpstart their journey to financial freedom. She is not only the founder of Journey to Launch, but also host of the award-winning podcast with over 2.6 million downloads. She teaches everyday people like teachers, working professionals, and busy parents how to eliminate debt, save more money, and increase their net worth, regardless of their income. Jamila is a wife, mom of three, and a first-generation immigrant from Jamaica, raised in Brooklyn, New York. In this episode, you're going to hear what money was like for Jamila growing up, 
how she became a real estate investor at the age of 22, the major steps she took in her career to become a commercial real estate executive by the age of 35, as well as her journey to creating Journey to Launch. If you're new here, Millennial Wealth Builders is a 12-part audio docuseries co-hosted by me, Danielle Desir, the host of the Thought Card Podcast, and Aquania S. Kernay, the host of the Purpose of Money Podcast. Each episode features women of color who are moving past obstacles and building real wealth in the 21st century. Now, this episode is episode number nine of 12. So we encourage you to go back into the archives and listen to other stories, including Minda Hearts, How Women of Color Advance in the Workplace, or How to Advance in Your Career and Become a Founder with Shivani Berry. All the links will be in the show notes. I went into contract on my first property, a condo in a place called Dumbo, Brooklyn at 22 years old. It stands for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. So Dumbo. And it was almost like by accident. It wasn't by, it was just by, it was like the, it was like the backup plan that I didn't necessarily, I wasn't looking for, but it turned out great. So when I was growing up, I was, I grew up kind of like in Fort Greene, Brooklyn in my high school years. And I realized that they were like these neighborhood millionaires. Like they didn't, they were very unassuming, but like I would hear that they owned property in Brownstones in downtown Brooklyn, Fort Greene. And I was like, wow. So I had an interest in real estate. Then my grandmother actually ended up buying a three family home in Fort Greene. Also before it was like Fort Greene and like the best place to be, which is now very expensive to own something. And so I grew up seeing those examples. Like I want to own property. And so I was graduating from college and I said, I wanted to buy something. And I was looking in Fort Greene, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn for a multifamily house. I wanted to replicate what my grandmother did and what I saw these like neighborhood millionaires do. And it was so expensive. Like even, you know, they were like at the time, maybe like 700, 800,000, which in retrospect is not that bad um, because now those same places are probably 2 million. But as a 21, a 22 year old, it was just like, that's a stretch. I went to Jersey, like to look for property. I was like, maybe I'll move to Jersey. Like it's cheaper. And, you know, it's not a three family house. It's a one family, but you know, I'll do. And then I saw an advertisement for new construction condominiums in this place called Dumbo, which I was not familiar with, even though where I live was literally like 10 minutes away from it. I did not, don't remember going often. And I saw that the price points were like new construction condos starting from 300,000 and up. And I was like, oh, something for 300,000. I mean relatively, that seemed like a good price uh, based on the things I was seeing. So I went with my mom to the sales office and Dumbo, if anyone's familiar with New York, now it's like one of the most expensive places to buy. But back then, like there was literally like nothing. There was like tumbleweeds like going by when we went. Okay. And like, there was no Brooklyn Bridge Park. It was like, there was just a big empty like lot and lots. And then this, this sales office and we went in and they had this vision for what the building would be. We have a doorman, um, a gym, and then they had the vision of what was coming to Dumbo. Like there was going to be this really nice park with a pier and ferries and all these things in a few years that would happen. And, you know, I was like, all right, what's the cheapest apartment? And so it was a studio apartment, the smallest one, and I needed to put 10% down to secure it. So the way it worked is like you need 10% down so that that apartment can't go to anyone else. I had some money saved for my internship that I was working 
but I didn't have all of it. And my mom, God bless her. She gave me, it wasn't even a loan. She gave me the, some of the 10% that allowed me to secure the property. I always like want to say that because like, I think it's very important to the story, but, um, and while obviously I'm very privileged to have a mom that would do something like that or was in the position to do that, I acknowledge that. I always like look back to, she literally came here at 19 with nothing and was able to like give her daughter that, that start. But then what would happen is I needed to come up with the additional 10% in two years when the building was going to be completed in construction and the closing costs. Like I needed to come up with that additional 33,000 and then the closing costs. And that was like all on me. So my mother did allow me to stay home while it was being constructed. I started to work full time. So that was also a very important part of the story. Um, So I was able to save my money, like literally live like I was still in college and I was like earning decent money, but not a lot at the moment, but enough to where I was in this career trajectory that I knew I'd earn more. And honestly, it was a very big risk to do that because by the time I like it was completed, the building, like I was, I knew that it was going to be hard to cover the mortgage and my living expenses, but I kind of, because I saved so much and I knew that um, I was able to kind of hedge for that. And so I thought to myself, you know, worst case, I'll be able to sell it or rent it out at least for what the mortgage is. And luckily I was able to have enough money to put, to finish the purchase uh, and close on it. And I moved in uh, two years later and it was like, it's been the most riskiest, but amazing investment I've ever done um, that I love. What major steps did you take in your career to become a commercial real estate executive by age 35? It all stemmed from the same company I worked full time for. I was I interned with, and this is just shows the importance of literally asking for what you want and going after what you want. Because when I started my internship, it was in the IT department, uh, and typically, like when they, when you're an intern, like you know, certain departments sponsor interns, and so they literally want you to stay in that department because they spent a lot of money to invest in you, and the goal is that that department offers you a full-time offer before you even go off to your senior year, which happened for me. And so my first two internships, um, right, in freshman and sophomore year were in the IT field. And they were great, but I was like, I don't want to be in IT. Like, I want to be where the money is. And because I was always interested in real estate, I was like, I want to be in real estate investments. Because the company that I work for had a real estate investments uh, arm, like a whole, they, they, they were big in real estate. Where that was located was in New Jersey. And I remember like talking to my inroads advisor and saying, you know, I don't want to be in IT. I would love to get an internship in real estate in Jersey. And they were like, well, you know, like, you know, New York sponsored you because it was in the city and you IT sponsored you for this position. Like it's people typically don't switch. Plus it's in New Jersey. Like, you know, like they were trying to like dissuade me from making that. And I remember reaching out to the coordinator in the New Jersey office for the interns and saying, I really want an internship. And in fact, I don't even care if it's in real estate anymore. I just wanted to be in investments. And I, I drove there. So she like took a meeting with me. I drove there and this, I must've been, I don't know. I think I was like 20 doing this, making like kind of like these, like, like I said, I'm not going to just let you put me in a box. I'm going to go and went there. And luckily I got my last internship in real estate investments. And so when they made me a full-time offer, they made it in the investments department. And so I went to work full-time like, and it was really nice because I went off to senior year with a, a full-time offer in hand. I didn't even look for other jobs. I was like, it's already there. I'm good. And so I started to work in portfolio management first. So not, not real estate. 
And again, I knew I didn't want to be there. And so I went to the real estate department, which was like on the first floor. And I was like, do you have any positions like available for analysts? And they were like, no. I was like, okay. And I would just always check back. And they had one position and get this kind of the IT real estate field. And I was like, well, I just need to get my foot in the door. I know I don't want to be in IT. I've said this to the universe and God already. So, but I'll do this. And so I went and did that kind of role for like a year or two. And it's really like a simple admin role. Like I was like, like I knew I wanted more. And so again, it's me taking initiative and knowing that I wanted a specific position at my company, which was the asset management um, position in the New York region. Cause we had offices all over in real estate for the company, but I wanted to stay in New York and I wanted to help manage assets in New York. And in the meantime, while I was waiting for something to open up, because no one left those positions once they were in it, I went back to get my master's in real estate at NYU. I started the process. And I remember they sent an email, an uh, analyst or no, associate position was opening up in asset management in the New York region. And I remember like the guy's office, the head of that, that division was there. And he like sent the email out or HR sent it out. And I remember I printed out my resume and kind of went into his office and then said, oh, I just saw that you have a position. And he was like, we, we literally just sent this out. And I was like, okay, well, here it is. Um, and, you know, and I think that made an impression on him. And a few months later, I was hired into that role. Then I finished up my degree and I stayed there. So until I left my job to become and do what I'm doing full time with Journey to Launch, I stayed and worked my way up as a asset manager in real estate. Um, and it was like, if I was going to work for any company or in any position, it would have been that role. And so that's kind of like how I finagled literally like my way to that position. I always said, you know, I'm not going to work for anyone past 30. I don't like having a boss. I don't like asking for permission to do things. And I had this idea that I would do that by 30 years old. So I'd find different things. I would like either have to build a business or start a company. So I tried different things. I had an online magazine. Like I thought that was going to be the thing. The next um, Honey Magazine, if anyone remembers Honey Magazine back in the day, I thought like we were going to create the next Honey Magazine with this magazine called Empress Magazine. After a few years, didn't love that. So we stopped. I got my personal real estate license because I said, well, maybe I can sell real estate on the side and did that. I went on one showing and I was like, I don't like this either. Like I rather like just invested on like my money for real estate myself. Essentially, I was trying different things to figure out how I would not have to work after 30. None of them worked. And so I was like, all right, I guess I should just be happy because, you know, I do have a good job. I make good income. And so I um, kind of just forgot about that or squashed it down. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with my first son at 31. And I was commuting. I've always had a long commute because that place was in Jersey that I was going to. And so I always felt like, you know what, this is what you wanted. So now you're commuting, you know, and it was fine when I was single or without kids, but I was pregnant and my commute was like an hour and a half one way. And then this, this time that it took me to get home, this one day was like three, four hours. It was like, it was crazy. And I remember breaking down in the car and saying, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. And it wasn't even about the commute. Cause I could have found something in closer, but I just didn't want to do this. And all the feelings that I had about like, not working for anyone else and being my own boss came back to me. And I said, I have to figure out how I don't, I cannot be stuck in this because I don't want to do this with kids. I want more kids and I don't want to be stuck in the car two to four hours a day. So I started to Google when I got home, but well, I had a breakdown in the car, told my husband. And then over time started to look into like, and Google how to quit my job, how to retire early, 
all these things, you know, you kind of put in when you're unhappy at your job. And then I started to discover podcasts and blogs about these people uh, saving and spend, saving and investing their money over periods of time. And then they were like traveling the world or quitting their jobs. And it was all a part of this fire movement. And I was so intrigued and I started to listen now on my commute to podcast, like on one and a half speed so I can like get through them. And I found like, it was like an underworld of like, I was like, where has this been all my life? Like, it was so exciting. And I said to myself, if these people could figure it out, like, why can't I? And I, and you know, a lot of the voices in the space, they were great, but I also felt like they weren't that diverse. And while I can learn from anyone, and that's kind of like how I modeled Journey to Launch, I knew that like, wow, like I should start sharing my story. Um, And that's kind of what I did. So it wasn't until 33 that I officially, I say, started Journey to Launch as a blog. So it did take a while. So I I like saying that because 31 was when I was pregnant with my son. And then we ended up buying our home together. My husband and I, um, we moved in and like, so it's not that I, I had the breakdown and then immediately like took off. It was like, I had this breakdown. Then I started to listen to podcasts and read blogs. And, uh, you know, I was a full first time mom. And so essentially um, it wasn't until 33 that I said to myself, oh, you know what, let me start this blog called Journey to Launch. I'll share my journey. Cause at that time I said I was going to retire by 40, which really meant quit my job. And I'll cr- chronicle that. And as I started to share more of my journey with the three people list, like reading the blog and following me on social media, people started to get more interested, especially as I started to share more and open up and the numbers people were really, really interested in because of our income, we were able to save and invest $169,000 in two years. So again, that's a function of our income. We were high earners. Um, even though my husband's a teacher, like he does well too. And so with that, uh, Journey to Launch was kind of born and then eventually it became a podcast. And now it actually propelled me to quit my job earlier than I expected. And um, I'm doing this now full time. I was the breadwinner for the most part. So even though my husband does well, he's a teacher still. So his income was not going to be able to cover our household expenses. And by this time um, that I decided that I wanted to quit, like I was just got pregnant with child number three. So it was really important to make sure we could financially be okay um, with me taking this leap because here I am like doing all this and like, you know, like we were accustomed to a certain lifestyle. We weren't like super spendy, but we live in New York city. We live in Brooklyn. We have a house now going to have three kids. So we had to make sure we saved and invested enough money, like in an account that could cover the expenses that my husband's income couldn't. That was really important. And I also wanted to make sure journey Sanch, like it was not earning at all anywhere close to my corporate income, but I wanted to know that there was potential. And so when I saw that people were reacting to it the way that they were, when I realized that people were making real money in this business, like, uh, and doing good work, like it was really inspiring. And so that also gave me some energy and some confidence to be able to, you know, take the leap. I've always had dreams of side hustling and I've side hustled before I knew about financial independence. Um, But I would say that Starting my financial independence journey intentionally opened me up to a world where I realized that people were making money doing different things like real estate investing, um, having um, platforms, courses, doing things on the side where they were earning money. So once I learned that and saw that people in my industry as personal finance educators or influencers, quote unquote, were earning like money, it did help me see that there was a lane to make journey to launch my full-time thing. And then that could help me and accelerate me on the journey, possibly the financial independence. Um, There was some of that where quitting my job, it felt at first 
was delaying. Like, I don't know that I'll, at the time, I didn't know that I could still reach my 40 year old uh, goal of financial independence by quitting my job, because here I am now stepping back from investing and saving, you know, like, and I was okay with that. But I like to also say that I believe my jump into entrepreneurship has also possibly accelerated it. The jury's still out. Like the numbers are not clear as so far yet, but I'm earning more now than I did. The business is earning more, which doesn't mean I'm earning more, but the business is earning more. And I have the potential to earn a lot more than I did when I worked in corporate America. So it's accelerating now so far in my journey to financial independence. Non-technical. So some of the non-technical skills, I mean, it's really mindset. It's the inner work of really being able to withstand all the ups and downs of what this is like being an entrepreneur full-time because working for someone else, like, you know, you get a standard check and usually it's the same amount every other week, right? And so as an entrepreneur, you have to create that stability for yourself. And sometimes in the beginning, it's not there. And so you can, I question myself a lot, like, what did I, you know, do? Like, I just gave up this potential for all this income if I just stayed, you know, and made it work. So it was a lot of the internal work. Um, Honestly, think your net, like your net work, who you know is very important and who knows you um, and just being a good person, because a lot of the opportunities that I've had or, you know, media mentions and profiles, it was like a, it was a referral or, you know, like someone put me on. And so I think it's not just like, you know, knowing how to manage your numbers as an entrepreneur or the right offer. It's like who, you know, the mindset you have and the people around you, because in the times that you do feel like it's pointless or you're not, it's not working. You need examples. You need people who can say to you who are on on the other side that can say, I've been there and I'm doing this now. Or you need people who are going through the trenches with you and you don't feel so alone. So there's a lot of that too, is who you surround yourself with. I think for me, I have this, I have this uh, belief that I can't fail. Like even when I'm failing, like I'm not failing. Uh, so because it's a lesson, which means that it doesn't matter what happens. Like I feel like I'll come up, come out on top. And what I like to do, so the practical side of me will say, what is the worst that can happen in this situation? So even if it's me making an investment in something, right? Like I've invested sometimes like the most I've ever have in like certain programs or things to help me. And I'm like, can you afford to lose this money? Like if nothing comes out of this that you thought, like you don't get the return that the person said it would be, are you going to be financially distraught? Is like, are you going to be able to pay your mortgage? Usually the answer is like, you'll be fine. You'll just be out of some money that you would have wanted, but you'll be okay. And so that allows me, if I know that, like we're not going to be destitute and like my kids can eat, like, which is usually that's never like the end game of anything I do. Then I know I can take the leap because it doesn't matter if that thing doesn't turn out the way I want, I know I'll get something from it. Maybe it's not what they promised or the thing that I thought it was, but it's a lesson. And I really do think everything happens for a reason. So that lesson will help me in the next level, like a video game. Like, you know, you pick up, you're picking up like these, these coins that you don't know why you're picking them up. It doesn't matter in this level. You're like, that was a waste. But then in level 10, you're like, thank God I have that coin. And then you use that coin. Okay. So I'm building wealth one by example. I do think wealth is an inner, it's corny and people are like, yeah, I can't pay my rent. But I do think wealth is very much inner. It's, it's an inner game. Like I have a high self um, perception of my worth. And I want to say this, I know I come off of this very confident. <laughs> I am confident, but at the same time, I do have lots of doubts 
and at the same time can be extremely insecure, which people don't believe. Like they're like, "You're right, Jamila." I'm like, "No, I actually am." The difference is, I just, I literally just keep going, and you know, until it, I, I believe it myself. So for me, like that kind of mindset, um, that's the wealth I'm trying to, that inner wealth, like is what I'm trying to teach my kids. Maybe I can't, you know, give them a million each as like in the trust fund, but I want them to have like a million dollar mindset. So I do that first by showing them what that looks like in my own life. So when, you know, they ask me one day about what I do and how I did it. Like I can tell this, I'll share with them this podcast, you know, they can get the whole backstory, but like, I want them to see, Oh, my mom did it. And then I want to the same way my mom poured into me, which is a big reason why I'm the way I am pouring into them, like have them be super confident, even when they feel insecure. Like these are the things like I want to teach them because I know it's not, like you said, it's not practical. It's not the budgeting. It's not like the things we're taught about money that make you money, but it is what allows you to have money when you think like this. Um, when you think like they say, like the white man with like, you know, all the confidence in the world that thinks they can't fail kind of thing. Um, so that's that kind of wealth. And then, of course, like practical kind of wealth, like, you know, I want to be able to give them a start in life. You know, if they can't understand what it means to budget and invest as early as possible so that they start and have a head start, even a better head start than me, like that's my goal. The same way my mom was able to give me a portion of my first 10% of down payment. I'd love to be able to do that for my kids and them to know what to do with that, not to squander that, but them to build upon it as they grow. Okay. What are some steps listeners can take today to map out their path to financial independence? So some steps you can take if you're listening now and you want more freedom in your life, um, I would say first to find what that means, that end game. And honestly, that can change. Like my thoughts of what I wanted have changed as I have moved forward and that's okay. But a starting point of where you think you may want to be, the life you may want to have, then you need to assess where you currently are. Like how far are you away from that life? And so the numbers do matter. Um, Internal work matters. Like the mindset to know you can do it matters, but the numbers matter too. So what does that end point look like for you? What's the goal? But where are you now? What's the debt? What's the income? You know, what's what are the things that you're going to have to know to help you figure out what you have to do to get from point A to point Z? Um, so it's really important to know your numbers, to understand your mindset and the things that can help boost you along the way. And then really, it is surrounding yourself and changing your reality. Part of, I think, my success has been when I was in that car, listening to so many podcasts and success stories and People who had similar, maybe I couldn't relate to all of their story, but something about their story I was able to learn. And, you know, so I think changing your reality too is like finding and seeking out communities, communities online or people that you are inspired by uh, to help show you what's possible is very important because that helps change like, you know, your thermostat on, on what's available to you. I want to be remembered for someone who just went for it that despite any obstacles or what other people perceived as things that would stop them, like someone that was an example of what was possible when you went for it. Uh, And just to be just like that positive, like, wow, like I think about that person and she inspires me 
in a way that feels good, not inspires me in a way that feels bad, but in a way that feels like I can do that too. Like, you know, like I feel really connected to her and I feel like, like it's a, it's something that I can do too. So that's what I want to be remembered for. (laughs) 